my name is Vivian. I identify as Chinese American. Um, I'm currently doing my bachelor's in liberal studies and Asian American studies. Um, current activities, I guess I'm just trying to finish up. I'm in my fourth year. I will hopefully be finishing this spring um, with the completion of this podcast as well as all of my other courses. Uh, so <laughs> I'm Jamie. Uh, I'm a Korean American. I have a bachelor's in liberal studies and I'm saving up for grad school and then next year I'm hopefully going to be there and getting my teaching credentials and my master's. Hi, my name is Derek Wu. I'm currently a fourth year Asian American Studies major. This is my last quarter, uh, winter quarter. Um, my current activities are I work at the CARE office, which stands for Campus Advocacy Resources and Education. I'm also working out of Chas First, which is the learning community here at UCR. And I'm also part of CORE, which is the peer educator group out of the LGBT Resource Center. And I'm also waiting for back for my master's. And I will be going into my master's in student affairs and higher ed. Uh, I'm Tracy. I identify as Vietnamese American. I graduated recently during the fall quarter. And right now I'm just looking for a job. I didn't say my ethnic identity. <laughs> my ethnic identity is Cantonese Chinese American. Yeah. I think that's that's a good distinction. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so trying to like that Cantonese part is very is very distinct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Purposeful. <laughs> um, would you like to explain why that is purposeful for you? Um, I think Cantonese is a very interesting um, identity because it kind of is used as both a language and a racial identity because of well colonization by the UK and of, of Hong Kong current colonization not colonized current like powers in China trying to kind of wipe out like cultural Cantonese identity but not every single Cantonese person identifies as Hong Kongese as there's some Canton people in like Guangdong area in China and so I make that distinction, especially because the population of people who speak Cantonese is starting to dwindle smaller and smaller, especially with the rise of um, um, China and Mandarin being a um, global language. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I guess I will talk about my intentions with this podcast. So um, I think I've described it to all of you. I'm doing this as a part of like honors, um, my honors capstone with UCR. So we are required to do some kind of research project, whether that be a research paper um, that is based off of like scientific findings or a creative project like mine is. So I chose to do a podcast because I wanted a place for us to have a conversation about these things. I think that in academia, like we kind of just sit there in class and like we just take whatever the teacher tells us, but we don't have very many spaces to talk about it, to like really be like, this is what it's like for us and how individualized that can be because academia tends to be too general um, and it just doesn't give us the space to talk about it. So that being said, I kind of want to ask you guys why you all agreed to be a part of this. If you don't have a reason, that's okay. (laughs) um, I was in the same class as Vivian, and she asked me. (laughs) And I said yes. (laughs) 
uh, as for me, I was asked by Jamie, who is here right now. Um, but the reason I participated, because, you know, I have free time. Why not just help someone, right? Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, it was more than just, like, helping Vivian. I really wanted to... It was kind of like an extension outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to hear other people's stories, because I have a lot of complaints. And so I want to hear everyone else's complaints. Okay. I hope that you get to voice some of your <laughs> complaints, if not all of them, yeah. and then we'll be able to discuss them mm -hmm. at some point. Because um, there are limitations to this project, as I will explain. Um, I can only produce so much, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. I'm still a student, so I still have all of the responsibilities of a student. Another limitation is that, uh, as I've asked you to self-identify what your ethnicity is, we are all East Asian and Southeast Asian, um, so there's just not a lot of diversity between us, but that is mostly because UCR does not have like the greatest diversity in terms of like Asian communities mm -hmm. um, and I can only have so many people to do this particular series so in the future if you guys choose to participate I'm hoping that you will also recruit other people oh I'm trying <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry I don't have any friends <laughs> it's okay. I just don't <laughs> it's okay I mean we're all trying our best and that's all I can ask from you guys mm -hmm. so okay with that said we will get started on the first topic, model minority. So my questions, just to get us started, have you heard of the term model minority? If so, how do you understand it? And do you think it has an impact on the Asian American community? Okay, so I do know about the model minority and my general understanding of it is the portrayal and stereotyping of all Asians and Asian Americans, especially in America. So how they would act is affected by the model minority stereotype, um, what their expectations are by society is set by the model minority, um, and I think it doesn't really reach out to anything outside of East Asian Americans, really, or yeah, it's only East Asian Americans, not only really Southeast Asian or any, any other um, Asian ethnic group, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, I also know about the model minority. Um, model minority is kind of like uh, Asian American Studies 101. It's like <laughs> the first thing we talk about, right? It's a pretty like standard understanding of the racialization of Asians in the United States. Um, and I say Asians in the United States because Asians are very often racialized as a one homogenous group in the United States. So. Um, so I'm Chinese, right, and then um, Jamie's Korean, right, and then Tracy's Vietnamese, right? Yeah, Vietnamese. Vietnamese. But to the eyes of Americans and white people in America, we're all the same, right? But we all have different backgrounds. Um, and I think that that does have an effect on Asian, but I think the model minority with more, like, study has a bigger effect on lower income colored people such as black people and latinx people because it kind of triangulates like the racialization of them um but i don't know if you want to go into that yeah um, can you explain what you mean by triangulation? yeah so racial triangulation is a um term coined by jean jean kim i think her name is uh, I'll, I'll clarify that later but <laughs> um it's basically that the modern minority myth was created 
only so that they could put down black and Latinx people. So it was kind of the idea of like, look at these immigrants, right? Like they're doing so well in the United States. Um, why can't like black people and Latinx people also do well, right? Like they're um, they're used as a tactic to triangulate white people, black people, and Asian people. So um, it's a very interesting perspective on um, when the model minority and Asian people. The model minority wasn't created until 1965. This is a very important date for Asian Americans because that was the date of the Naturalization Act in the United States, and that it basically says that um, any peoples of special talents from Asia are able to come to America. So think professors, engineers, um, nurses, and that's why, and so a lot of nurses, for example, from the Philippines, right, are able to come to America. A lot of engineers from Korea are able to come to America. And that created the modern minority myth. And it's not because like black people are not as smart or, 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 or lazy. It's because people that came to America had education, had already a basis to set them up for success. And so, um, and to this day, it's still used as a trope to racialize, it's used as a trope to kind of put down black people. And that can be seen with the, um, uh, uh, the Harvard versus the Students for Fair Administration case, and that case was of a group of East Asian students backed by Edward Blum, I think his name was, which is a Republican, um, Republican lawyer, and basically they were suing Harvard for discrimination against Asian Americans, and so they wanted to ban, what's that word when they use race in admis when admitting college? Oh. I know what you're talking about. I do not oh God, what's remember. What's the word? <laughs> um, oh, what's the word? Like, you know, like when they use race in, like, ed, uh, what, in college ad admissions. Ethnicity? I don't know. No, I. Uh, it's like a tip of my tongue. Give me one second. All right. Well, while we're on that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I know. I mean, I I pretty much know what a model minority is, which you know, uh, Asians are minorities are looked at a higher perspective than other minorities um i think it does affect the asian population a lot because i mean in my perspective when i was younger i used to be good at math but for whatever reason if i wasn't good at other languages they'd be like oh but you're asian why don't you know how to do this like you can do that and to me i don't, I don't think that's fair i don't think any of us think it's fair right the fact that people look at Asians as like a higher minority just because we look at a certain look a certain way and you know in relation to what to what Derek said you know I lost my train of thought that's okay anyway. I think that's really important uh, considering that I think a lot of like high school kids don't understand where that comes from or like why that's problematic because mm -hmm. um, I got the same thing so I took a lot of AP classes as a high schooler because I felt obligated to because I was one of the very few Asians at my school and so it was kind of like all of the other Asians are doing it why aren't you doing it mm -hmm. um, and then I never did well in those classes and then again it was like the other Asians are doing good you're supposed to get A's you know yeah. and then that like kills self-confidence yeah. yeah. um, and then coming to college it's like I don't want to fail again yeah I relate to that a lot because when I was in freshman year, everybody, like all of, like the Asian kids, I mean, we were majority Asian, 
but all the Asian kids were like taking like AP classes or honors classes and all of that. And I tried to, you know, get on that train, but I couldn't ever catch up. And when I went to the office and they asked me like, hey, what classes do you want to do? And I kind of said AP classes. They looked at my grades and said, we don't think you should do it because looking at your grades, you're not going to do well. It's going to mess up your grades. You're not going to be able to get into good school. And I understood that completely because, you know, the, the uh, counselors only want what's best for you. But at the time, like, I thought, well, my brother can do this. People around me could do this. Why can't I do this, right? So I guess that's also in relation to the model minority that, you know, everybody can do it. That's Asian that I know can do it. So I have to. Therefore, if I can't do it, then I'm not the same as everyone else. Do you feel like that meant like you were less Asian than like kind the people of, around a little you? Bit. Mm-hmm. It's called affirmative action. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna conclude on what I was saying, and then I'm gonna contribute to a little bit of what you guys are talking about. But basically, the East Asian students were suing Harvard for like to not use affirmative action and. Basically, that would help Asian people get into Harvard by about 10%, but it'll decrease Black and Latinx students' admission to Harvard by about 20%, I think it was. Um, and it will also increase white students' admission to Harvard as well. So, you know, it's rooted in interest convergence, which is like the idea that like white people only help Asian people when it helps themselves, right? And so, um, and I'm not... I'm not saying that Harvard wasn't discriminating against Asians. They probably were, but the way that they're framing it is not the way that it was supposed to be. But um, anyways, that's a little like theoretical, but we're going back to like Tracy's like point in like grades. Did anybody take AP Calc here? I did. What did you go on the test? I didn't take the test because I actually failed both semesters of a class. Oh. I got a one. <laughs> on the test. At least you took the test. <laughs> So. <laughs> it was so bad. It was not. And so I agree, like, the trope is, like, very, like, oh, you're Asian, you're good at math. But I think all of this here are, like, humanities slash social studies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's weird for me because I I was homeschooled for three years of my high school. Mm. Right? So, it, I mean, my mom wanted it. I didn't want it to be homeschooled. Um, especially since it's such a big gray area in education. Um, but because I was homeschooled, I wasn't able to take AP classes. I wasn't able to get actual grades like you would in like public school. It's not normal grades like A, B, exactly, C. Exactly, right. And so because of that, it challenged, like, how smart am I? Um, mm-hmm. Because the only homeschoolers that I interacted with were all white, um, <laughs> so I couldn't really, like, compare myself um, and then there were my peers who were in public school, and they thought it was, like, they weren't sure on how smart I was because I was homeschooled. I was doing my own education, and I didn't take AP classes like they were. So it was hard for them to kind of see, like, well, you're taking college stu- uh, like college courses while you're in homeschool, right? Um, but at the same time, I'm not doing high school courses, with like AP courses. So it really... I was confused, basically. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. And I still can't, like, when people have conversations about the SAT, ACT, and the AP uh, the AP courses, I can't relate. And so that makes me feel really mad. <laughs> I don't know. It's just weird. So did you know how to take the SAT? I didn't. Um, it was, 
both um, kind of an, a mistake, but also like a choice to not take the mm. SAT because I could have taken it, but I know I would have scored low because I didn't have the formal like high school education. Mine was all like, I took my general ed at Fullerton and I also had like the reinforcements of homeschool education, but because I didn't have that, I didn't feel like it was a good idea to take the SAT. Mm-hmm. The school doesn't actually teach you anything about how to, how to take the SAT. It's, it's yeah. very race, race-based, the SAT. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, yeah I've heard that too, um, but that was obviously like later on. I think they're actually getting rid of it. Really? SAT? Yeah, yeah. For, for a lot of higher ed systems. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. We're in the wrong generation, then. <laughs> it's just a racist test. Like, that's just the reality of the right, SAT. It, like, it's not, okay, no, I've heard about that. Would you like to explain it a little bit more? Yeah. I'm so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Because you're very informative. We have to assume that our listeners yeah. don't necessarily have all of this knowledge mm-hmm. that we have. Mm-hmm. So if you could explain it yes, a little of course. bit. So I mean the SAT does everybody know the origins of the SAT and where it came from? No. Absolutely not. So the SAT actually came from the military. Um, mm. a lot of things actually come from the military, the military industrial complex. Um, so what the military, what it was used for was basically to test um, like military members and their like knowledge, and so that kind of shifted into um, higher education, right? And higher education was not built for us. It was not built for colored people, right? Mm-hmm. It was built for white middle class men specifically. Um, and so a lot of the SAT, the way it's formatted and the way the words are, are geared towards more middle class. So for example, does anybody know what a cotillion is? No. No, no. No. So a cotillion is a very, a, the word cotillion is a very common SAT word. Um, but cotillion is basically a really fancy party that like middle class people hold, right? Mm-hmm. Why would us, a like second gen, like <laughs> like poor college students of immigrant families, like even know what cotillion is. Like we don't host parties, right? And so that's kind of the example. Um, and so also like resources, right? Like if you go to a high school that has emphasis on co- um, college and has um, and has the resources to give you SAT prep classes, then like those those kids will obviously do better and go to like college. Right. And, you know, I feel like Asian Americans have this expectations of to go to college, but a lot of other colored communities, like black communities and Latinx communities, like the resources are very, very limited and very, very like kind of self-sabotaging in some way. But that's another story. But yeah. So the SED is racist. <laughs> <laughs> um, kind of going back to Jamie, like you were homeschooled for three years? Yeah, in so. high school. Which three years? So it was um, freshman year, I went to a private school. Mm -hmm. And then sophomore, junior, senior, I was homeschooled. But um, while I was homeschooled, right, um, I went to Fullerton College to do my general ed there as like, not even like a supplement to my classes in homeschool. It was because I felt like I wasn't learning enough. Especially I felt like I felt like I was falling behind in homeschool. So that's why I, I took my, or I told my mom to take me to Fullerton College where I could take my general ed there. I can kind of figure out where I wanted to go and, and when I went to university. And then that's how I was able to transfer here. I didn't start from the very bottom. I had enough units to transfer as a junior, so that's what I did. But that also kind of screwed me over. What about for elementary school? What were 
elementary school, junior high, I went all in public school. It's just for some reason, like something happened and my mom wanted to shelter me, so she homeschooled me. When did you start realizing your Asian-ness? Is there a specific grade or incident where you were like, oh, like, I'm Asian? Oof, I think, I'm Korean? I think I was aware really early on. I think I have an exact memory of when I was in first grade. Uh, it was in Chino Hills. That was my elementary school. So a lot of Asian and white people, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember, I've, for some reason, our, the kids in my class started talking about, like, oh, what kind of Asian are you, you know, amongst the Asian people? Because, you know, that's fun to talk about when you're in first grade or, like, second <laughs> grade. And I told them uh, that I was Korean, and they immediately asked me, like, how do you say my name in Korean? How do you write it? And um, I got really excited because I was like, oh, my God, the popular kids want to know. And so I went home, and then I, and I talked to my mom about it, and she said, basically, their names in Korean are just their English names, just pronounced in Korean. And, <laughs> and so I was like, wait, so what do I tell them? She's like, you don't have Korean names. And so I, felt, I was really embarrassed, and I came back, and then they were like, oh, so you don't know Korean? And then I was like, I mean, my mom does. And so that's when I was like, oh, so I'm not like like I'm not Korean then to them because I couldn't give them a Korean name but that like that one instance was kind of when I realized like wow like what the heck is going on here why am I like not Korean anymore because when you're kindergarten nobody cares first Mm -hmm. grade nobody cares but that's one moment in second grade that that kind of it kind of increased from there like everything like kind of became more aware I want to hear your guys is kind of aware do you guys have like that kind of a moment for me i didn't really have a, like a specific moment because i live in a very like an extremely asian populated area so like pretty much everyone was vietnamese pretty much everyone so everyone we didn't really have like this atmosphere where everybody asked like what asian are you you know and but i guess i was kind of aware when my parents told me i had two different names and like I was told my, my English name is Tracy, and my Vietnamese name is me. But then they told me that wasn't my real Vietnamese name, and that my real Vietnamese name is Huang Mi. And so then I got really like, oh cool, I have two names, but like I didn't know how to really, like I guess differentiate, I guess. But I guess it actually, from when I was a younger age, my parents always like injected me into like a, a in school for Vietnamese so then everybody would be like oh uh, can you say this word can you say that word and if I didn't do well enough they're like oh you're not doing good you're not good at this language so then my parents would continue like injecting me into the languages I freaking hated to go to because I couldn't succeed in that class but eventually I did after like four years of the same class I don't know (laughs) but yeah Uh, okay so I have a very similar question or like a like experience I went to Korean school when I was in junior high to like, to like going into ninth grade. I, I, my mom took me there and I took like a placement test, if you would, at this place. And they placed me in kindergarten level. And so I was with a bunch of chil- like babies. Like they weren't even in kindergarten. They were just like, like children, like babies. And they were, like, they were just learning like the basics. And there was like one other like kid my age. How old are you at this point? Uh, I'm 20 right now. Oh, no, like when you were oh at that point I think I was like 11 or like 12 oh. so I was aware and I was very ashamed because it was like um, the the teacher kind of talked down on me because 
I'm a, I'm a junior high student in a, in a kindergarten level class. Obviously, I wasn't stupid, but like because I didn't know the language, they put me there, and it was so like, de- like demeaning. And like, mm-hmm. th- like I said, there was one other kid my age who was there, but he didn't even talk to me. Like, like he didn't want to be friends with me because I wasn't Korean enough to him too. Because I didn't even, like, we were learning how to read and write, which what he didn't know, but he could speak fluently. He could mm-hmm. understand fluently. I couldn't even do that, so he didn't even want to talk to me. So that sucked, and I quit after like three months. That's mm-hmm. my story on the Korean yeah. school. <laughs> um, can we maybe explain like what these like schools are? Because we have Vietnamese oh, school, right. Korean school. Oh, okay. We, I don't know if you went, I had Chinese school. Oh. Um, so these are like language programs, basically. Mm-hmm, They're like basically. extra stuff that your parents put you mm-hmm. in um, yeah. to learn culture and language, how to read and to write, kind this of kind of identify thing. as mm-hmm. your ethnicity right. or help you to anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I never went to Chinese school, um, but I am very fluent in Cantonese. Uh, and for our viewers that don't know what Cantonese and Chinese and Mandarin is, um, China is a huge area. China is like, there's like 50 to 60 different languages in China, but they all use the same writing system. So let's just say someone speaks Mandarin and I speak Cantonese, and I don't speak Mandarin and they don't speak Cantonese. So I wouldn't be able to verbally communicate with each other. Maybe a little bit, but not really. Mm-hmm. Um, but we would be able to write letters to each other, and we would both understand. If if I knew how to write, I don't know how to write. Either. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I never, I was never put into Chinese school because there just isn't like Cantonese school. Mm-hmm. There, mm-hmm. there isn't. But what I've noticed is that like, well, there was maybe twenty years ago. Um, Cantonese was was way more prominent twenty years ago because Hong Kong was very powerful twenty years ago. And now China is really powerful and Hong Kong's not as powerful, so Mandarin is the dominant language now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can see that because there's a lot less Hong Kong stars, right? Like 20 years ago it was like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan and like right. all these people, but now it's like, you know, there's not really any Hong Kong stars. Mm-hmm. Um, but, what was the question? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> something about like, like when you were little, right? Um, when you, like inciting mem- moments when you realized you were Asian. Asian. Um, I think when I was younger, I thought that everything was Chinese. Because <laughs> I, w- and I think what makes us a little different is that, you know, you hear stories that it's like, I think, Vivian, like, your story is very similar to this. Like, I, I was surrounded by a lot of white people, mm-hmm. right? I was not surrounded by a lot of people, white people. Um, half my school was Chinese, and the other half was um, um, Hispanic. And so I think that makes it really unique because I was never really outcasted for being Asian because everyone else was Asian too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it was more, I think, realizing that I wasn't... I actually thought that I was the majority for a <laughs> very long part of my life. Like, I was like, oh, I'm the majority because I live in Alhambra. And Alhambra, fun fact, it has the highest amount of Chinese people in America. Next to Montreux Park, which has the highest percentage of Chinese people, different, it's different. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that I I also remember, I know the exact moment was in kindergarten, because I didn't speak English. Oh. <laughs> um, English was actually my second language, even mm. though I was born in America, um, because I don't know, I just I spoke Chinese at home. My mom and dad speak Cantonese. I speak Cantonese. My sister speaks Cantonese. 
And so I remember, like, I had, I don't remember her name, I had this, like, Hispanic teacher for kindergarten, but, like, I didn't know where to go, so my mom left me in, like, the playground, I was in, on the swing, very, very distinctive, the yellow, the swing with the yellow, yellow bar, because I like mm-hmm. the color yellow, yeah. and I was just <laughs> swing there, everyone went to their classes, and I was like, where am I supposed to go, like, <laughs> I don't know, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just kind of sat there, and then this teacher, her name was Mrs. Dang, um, she was the Cantonese teacher, she's actually Cantonese, um, Chinese Vietnamese and a lot of Chinese Vietnamese people speak Cantonese because it's in that area um, But she came up to me and she spoke to me in English and I was like I was like I only speak Chinese. I said that in Chinese. I was like yeah, and so then she spoke to me in Cantonese and then I Went to her class and I switched over to her class and then from first to second grade I had Cantonese speaking teachers that helped me and like talked to my mom as well and my third grade teacher was Mandarin so she didn't talk to me I could I spoke English by this point uh-huh. um, but she could still talk to my mom and it was like it was like second it was like after third grade when my teacher started being Hispanic and white etc etc mm-hmm. but yeah. I got left in the playground that's how I knew it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't speak English <laughs> um for me I really don't recall having like that kind of a moment but then again like I just don't have a very good memory Mm. so like (laughs) I don't remember very much of like being a child but um I moved from like San Gabriel to uh like Riverside County when I was like six so like I don't remember ever having like an Asian community so like for me it's always been other white people other Latinx people um and so I think that I've adopted a lot of like mannerisms and I've just kind of assumed that I would always fit in because that's kind of like what I grew up with. Um, also the fact that my parents never spoke their native languages at home, um, but that's also because they speak different languages. So um, my dad's side speaks Cantonese, my mother's side speaks like a dialect of Vietnamese or Cantonese, I'm not really sure. So. My mom learned Cantonese, but not well enough for her to be confident to, like, teach it to us. Uh-huh. And, like, because I don't have the community, it's like, why are you going to need it? Mm-hmm. I'm not close to my family. I'm not close to my grandparents who speak that language. So it's not necessary. Just learn English, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. But I do remember um, in high school, I had a classmate, like, very seriously ask me, what is the difference between being Chinese and being Asian? And like at that moment, I was like, I, I'm gonna answer your question because I think you should know, but like, like that hurts, like yeah. that you don't even understand the difference between that. Um, and this is like senior year, like you're 18, like <laughs> you've gone through like history classes, like I don't understand why you are asking me this with like such sincerity, like you do not understand that. Um, yeah, but coming to college, I think people understand and are a little bit more aware and don't like straight up ask like what are you you know mm, exactly so i guess to continue with like model minority um so except for jamie mm-hmm. i assume we all went to public school for high yeah. school mm-hmm. yeah so what were your parents like during that time like did they push you to take like higher um i don't want to say higher ed but like courses that would place you on track to be in higher ed uh well I would say yes, but I would also I would also like to like reach into my brother's experience because my brother is older than me, so he's like you know he has to do well. He's the first child. Um, I 
think my parents didn't particularly push him to do like higher ed classes, but he kind of pushed himself to do higher ed classes and he always like studied hard and he excelled in all of them and you know, he's like every Asian parent's dream because now he's a doctor and all that mm-hmm. stuff. And, um, but I think the model minority ideal probably pushed him to do really well in these classes and do like, to not be outside of like the majority of the minority. Mm-hmm. And as for me, my parents actually did kind of push me into doing these like higher ed classes. And sometimes they would be really disappointed and like, oh, why aren't you doing this class? Why aren't you doing that class? Your brother could do this so well, why couldn't you, right? Um, but then after I had reached out to them about like how this was affecting my mental health, they finally like laid back like, okay, this don't stress you out too much, do your best, you know, which I think is like kind of rare in the like Asian minority, but that's a different topic, right? Yeah, that's something that we will be returning to in a future episode. Um, yeah. So if you're interested in that, then go check that one out. What was the question? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you feel like your parents pushed you to be in a higher ed track in high school? Um, I think my parents are very unique. They're not very conservative, and they're not very, like... I mean, they, they wanted me to be a doctor. They really wanted me to be a doctor, but they knew from a very early on that I am not very smart. Um, <laughs> uh, they knew, I think they know that it's like the whole family, because I have an older sister. I have a, my sister is 12 years older than me. She's 33 currently. 32, 33. Uh, and so, you know, she's also not the smartest. <laughs> and so the expectations for me were also not very high. And so, um, you know, they wanted me to do something in the medical field. They're like, oh, you can like take care of us when you're older, blah, blah. And so, you know, I was like, nah, I'm gonna do business, like, right? And they're like, okay, it's fine, like, maybe there can be a CEO of a company. And then two years in, nah, I'm gonna be ethnic studies, right? And they're like, okay, all, all hope is lost. Um, <laughs> but I think they never really pushed me, I think, just because, I don't know, they didn't speak English, they were kind of doing their own thing, like, working and providing for us, and they were just kind of like, you know, we kind of trust you, just do whatever you need to do. And, and I, I've never been the, the kid that listens. Like, I, you can't see us, but like I have tattoos and piercings and like, um, and so anything that I wanted to do, they, they knew they could never ever stop me. And like, and like at this point of my life, I'm like, honestly, you're, you guys are the ones that want me in the house. Like, <laughs> like uh, when I was younger, I was very afraid of them like kicking me out because of my queerness and blah, blah. But like at this point, I'm like, I don't even want to come home. It's you that wants me to come home. So you can kick me out if you want. Like, and I'm becoming more financially in, like independent and stuff. I'm like, you're the one that needs my financial support when you're older. Right. <laughs> I've seen your like four one k It's not very high. Like. <laughs> I think I wanted to uh, mention something when he mentioned tattoos. My brother also has tattoos. He also has piercings. And my parents at first really hated it. They really hated it. And like me being, you know, what, uh, I forgot what, ex-generation, generation Mm. X or something, Mm. um, I didn't understand why, because, you know, to me, it's normal now, everybody has a tattoo, everybody has a piercing, who cares, right, but my parents are in an older generation, and when, um, my parents had told me the exact reason why, they said, because you won't be able to get a job, Mm. 
and I think that kind of reaches out to the model minority in Asians because you know there are also that uh, stereotype where Asians they have tattoos they're like gangsters I mean it's just like you know for every uh, you know race right but if you have tattoos you can't get a job you're you're kind of like a delinquent no one will want you stuff like that and I think Asians also kind of like move into that kind of like internalized that. yeah internalized and kind of like um, perpetuate I guess the, mm-hmm. the the model minority stereotype because like everybody expects us to be like this so we have to be like this so we have to be like clean we have to be pure mm-hmm. we have to be you know models for other people to actually want us mm-hmm. so I think like the mention of like tattoos on Asians or other people is kind of like you know relation to mm-hmm. model minority and even though I didn't go to public school in high school, the expectations for me as a firstborn child was crazy, crazy high. Like, I used to go to tutors even though I was fine in all my subjects, I was doing fine. They sent me to tutors, like private tutors, every single weekend. <laughs> they sent me to like, um, like the actual business, like tutoring business, like C2, um, any after school program they could find, they tried me there uh, to send me there. Um, and even when I was in high school and I was going to Fullerton College, they pushed me to like get a like a like a science uh, science major AA like an associate's in a science subject. But I didn't know what I was doing. I was just there to to be able to transfer. And so the fact that they kept pushing me to go for like a doctorate while I was in high school, I was like, wow, this is a lot for for you to ask me. But because I was the obedient firstborn child who did everything my mom and dad told me to do. I just went with it. And that's why I'm now a humanities major. (laughs) 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 But yeah. And it's weird because my siblings don't have that. They they don't have any expectations for them. My brother is just like just now, he was actually homeschooled for five years and he hated it. It was the worst. It was like elementary school from like fifth to like whatever, like through junior high. And so He's graduating from high school now. I'm so, so proud of him because he, like, made it work. It was him that went to the programs and everything. Like, there were no expectations for him. For him to be, like, missing from elementary school, there was no foundation for him to succeed. But, like, the fact that he's graduating, I'm, like, really proud of him. But my sister, she's another story because she didn't even go to kindergarten. Um, And so she still wants to be homeschooled. And I'm trying to change that because I know my family can't support that kind of like homeschooling structure and so it's weird because i was expected to do all these crazy things but seeing it lessen with every kid i'm like okay man what was that all for it was a waste but yeah it was interesting even why with the you, homeschooling. oh why do you think that is like maybe because i see the same thing in my parents mm. yeah like they're really really lenient with my sister right now um but like i don't what do you think for your parents? For me, I think it's two things. It's the first one, they want to see them succeed. They put all their effort into them, and, like, they get tired and lazy as, they, like, the next kid. <laughs> like, they run out of money, or, like, like I don't want to do it again. Like, that's my one thing. But the other take is the firstborn's going to be the one to take care of them later on. Like, that is the responsibility. The mm-hmm. firstborn has to take care of the younger siblings, the the parents. They're going to have to deal with all of the, sh- like, all of everything. Okay. So, um those are the two reasons why I think they poured so much of everything into me even though I did not want it and I was not set up to like succeed but they put me through it anyways 
What do you, what are you, you're like the second, the youngest kid, I'm right? the youngest one. What do yeah. you think? That's what um, I want to hear. I can sort of not agree but like they my that my parents definitely are very harsh on my sister very controlling on my sister and i know that because she i don't know she says expectations and stuff but for me there wasn't any expectations but um, <laughs> i think that there is however an expectation that you will provide for them in the future and that goes back to western ideas of community mm. right and like taking care of your parents um I'm the youngest, and I'm also the boy. And a lot of, within a lot of um, Eastern communities, the the man of the house is expected to take care of the family. <laughs> um, so my parents still want to live with me when I'm older, and I'm happy now. <laughs> I will visit once a month, <laughs> maybe once a week. We'll see how close I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but and I think that like you know, there's that expectation. It's like they left their country. Mm-hmm. They literally left every single thing they knew came to a foreign country without like knowing a lick of English at least that's my parents like and there's just that expectations right and there's and it's like for us it's like oh, it's so terrible and it's so bad and like I just want to do my own thing mom right <laughs> but it's like you know like they they're like life here is not that bad compared to what I had right like my mom literally didn't have toilet paper she's a stick she used to tell me all that all the time like she's a stick she was really really poor in China yeah. Um, and so I just think that, you know, they're like, oh, like, life here is good, just go to school, which is a stepping stone to, have to like, income, right? <laughs> and, like, get a job and, like, give us money, like, <laughs> just provide for us, and take us on vacation every now and then. Like, oh my god, like, I'm an ethics studies major, like. <laughs> I still think that's important, though, because higher ed... I think regardless of what we do, like even though they want us to be like in the medical field, they want us to be doctors, we're still in higher ed because they see that as a means to be um, financially secure and like to have a job, you know? You guys have said that you came into um, college with like a different major than what what you've got or what you're still studying. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I told my parents right before I graduated high school that I wanted to pursue music like as an artist and they were like no <laughs> you're not gonna do that you can you can do that if you go to CC and you can do that together but then you're still gonna go to university and then pursue that you know what I mean mm-hmm. so and I think it's funny it's only like that because of income mm-hmm. if you were to mm-hmm. make it as like a music producer and make millions of dollars they were like, oh my god, like, yeah. support, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. But it's just the idea and stereotype of, like, what yields income, right? right? Mm-hmm. Doctors and lawyers, right? These things yield income. Mm-hmm. And, like, and it's because they need that income for themselves <laughs> to survive. <laughs> like, <laughs> but, I don't know, it's interesting. Well, I guess if there's still any confusion, I am including, like, show notes and things, so mm-hmm. there'll be other documents for people to refer to, um, so if you guys have any supporting documents, mm-hmm. that would be helpful as well. And should we say resources at UCR? <laughs> sure. Sure. So there are a couple resources that we can utilize, um, some private, utilize, um, some private non-reporting ones or care. Um, care.ucr.edu, um, CAPS, uh, Counseling and Psychological Services, and Ombuds, those are the three confidential. 
There's also Title IX. Um, it's also there's also APSP, the Asian Pacific Student Programs. Um, are they confidential? They are not confidential. Mm-hmm. There was only three confidential resources on campus, and it's Care, Caps, and Ombuds. And Ombuds is not even an office. There, well, there is an office, but their office is basically just guide you toward other offices. Interesting. <laughs> but, okay. But here's all the resources. The LGBT Research Center. If you guys are interested in hearing some other topics regarding Asian American identity, um, as well as hearing more of our experiences and possibly others, um, as we are hoping to recruit some more people, um, go ahead and listen to our following episodes. See y'all there. <laughs> <laughs>